Welcome to the Muso Church Podcast. Here, we share the powerful and practical gospel of Jesus Christ until everyone is free and flourishing. We're so excited that you're here. Wherever you're listening from, we are trusting and believing that God is going to touch your life through this podcast. We are citizens of heaven, but we are still on earth. Aha. Uh-huh. We can't be stupid citizens of heaven. Ne? It can't be that we claim to be citizens of heaven, but the, the systems of this world, we, don't, we can't master them. We, don't, we can't master them. The Bible says, the, and the, the, the sons of Issachar, they understood the time, and they knew then what to do. So we need to understand the times that we are in. Right? The, 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 yeah. Guys, we will talk about that some other time, but can we just be good stewards? All right, good. I thought I must just, because some of you, after the report and everything that's happened, you are busy praying, but you are not planning. Right? You are constantly making bad money decisions, and what's going to happen is because you are making bad money decisions, I'm going to come here and say, if you give everything that you have to the man of God, you are going to, it's going to multiply, and then you are going to fall into such things. Other one, sorry. <laughs> and here's the other thing. Here's how money works. It's either you gamble and you win money. It's either you steal money and then you have it. Or you work hard for it, sell something, either your time, your skill, or something, and then you get paid for it. There is no one who's going to pay you 5000 after two weeks for giving them 3000 today. It's a scam. How many times are you going to fall for the same scam? How, where does it come? It doesn't, the economy doesn't work like that. Now, now it was MM. We were crying with you. Now it's QZ. Now you are still the same thing. You can't, guys. There is, it does not work. There is no instant where you're going to give someone 3000 and two weeks later they give you 5000 Where does it come from? What's the business model? No one starts a business to give people money. No one. No one wakes up in the morning and says, Ah, see I want to give you 5000 For what? If they say that you must know that you are the... They are taking your money. The uh, stewards of grace. Let me just steward this, this portion quickly. Because we see people taking their pension and putting it on these things. And how many times must we see the same thing? Now soon you'll be coming. Now it's, it's what's up, what, what. And it, the principle of money. You, you work, then you earn, then you save, and then you spend. Unless you are stealing. In fact, those things where they say to you, you just give and they, they are stealing from you. And, and it, it's simple. It, it's, it, the early adopters gain. Because what they want to do is they want to build some sense of reputation. So they'll take Matilda, Matilda will put money first. And after Matilda has put money first, and then Matilda will get a profit. Because we need what they call, um, da, 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 da. 
I'm, I'm forgetting evidence, sort of like evidence. Someone needs to come and show us, and someone we trust. So Matilda will stand here and say, look guys, money came in, and she will be not lying to us because she doesn't know what's happening. And then for a few weeks and few months, people will be gaining money. And then what is happening, it will be, the, the, the pool will grow from 10 to 100, and then they have a million people because the 100 got the money. So what they do is actually they take like 10 million to start this thing with. And then you come and then you give your 5,000, and then they take out of this 10 million and pay you guys. And then you are like, yeah, this thing actually works. Right? And then you go and tell your friends, it worked, here's the money. And then because they trust you, what do they do? They put their money. Now it was, it, they paid a million, they lost a million. Then a million people join this thing and give more money because they want more. Then they make a billion. And then suddenly the system has crashed. How many times must these things happen? Bazaulan, please man. Let's, let's be wise. Let's be wise, Bazaran. Please. Amen. There's, there's no one who's going to give you money. I mean, let's do this thing. Because I'm like, come on. Amen. Stewards of grace. Do you have my video? Let's go. Sure, over here. Uh, we have religious people come to the University of Pennsylvania all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, very often they're over in front of the library, uh, literally standing on soapboxes. Well, actually, they're kind of plastic cans, yeah. but anyway. Um, and they tell us that abortion is murder mm -hmm. and that we're all going to hell because we're fornicating. Mm -hmm. And they get very perturbed when I tell them, but that's not preaching the gospel. Uh, what you said tonight is very significant, but I think that you can include, uh, in, as we nearly close, what is the gospel? Tell us the gospel. Would you like me to talk to these people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, because sometimes well, they can't answer that question. Yeah. yeah um, the... Um You, you, you know, when I, at, at, near the end of the, it's the book of Jude, which is near the end of the, the Bible. <laughs> Some of you didn't even know there was a book of Jude. It's right before Revelation. It's right before its more famous uh, uh, friend, the book of Revelation. Uh, and there's a place, Jude is writing to a church. And one of the things that always amazes me there is, uh, there's a command of the church that says, be merciful to them that doubt. Be merciful to them that doubt. Uh, or uh, here's another place where Jesus uh, uh, meets a guy who comes along and says, help my, uh, uh, heal my son. This is in Mark chapter 9. And Jesus says, I can do it if you believe. And he says, I believe, help my unbelief, which is a great way of saying, I really, I'm trying to believe, but I'm filled with doubts. Jesus does not say, well, come back when you've dealt with those. <laughs> And then I'll heal your son. You know, the standard is you've got to believe. You've got to, you've got to give yourself to me wholly without any doubts. And it's amazing. You know, he says, help my son. She says, I can if you believe. Well, I'm trying to believe. I really, I'm filled with doubts. And Jesus heals the son. Uh, he's merciful to a man who's doubting, mm -hmm. who's trying. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I, I can tell you this. This is what I mean when I meant, uh, I, I'll use, I will tell you what I think the gospel is by the branch. Uh, there's a, remember that branch illustration? If Jesus Christ's death and resurrection in my place, if I, I believe that, uh, then I don't, I don't have to be a good person. I don't have to have great faith. I don't have to have this surrendered heart. I don't have to have this perfect life. I just need to grab that branch and I'm saved. And uh, on the other hand, uh, a person who has got no doubts and I know I'm living a good life and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not fornicating and I'm not having abortions and I'm, not, uh, uh, and I'm obeying the Ten Commandments and you're filled with pride and you therefore are not merciful to those who doubt. You look at people who doubt and say, why can't you be like me? This is a person who has fallen off the cliff. They're filled with belief about the Bible and doctrine, but they actually haven't relied on Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're being their own Savior. So the, Christianity, says the, the, Christianity says religion, traditional religion, which produces Pharisees, is I give God a good record, and then in response to that, he blesses me. But Christianity is, God gives me a perfect record in Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. I'm a sinner, and I, I only get it when I admit that I'm a moral failure. And then he gives me this acceptance, and now I live for him out of gratitude, which means of the lack of that. If I'm a sinner saved by grace, there has to be a, a lack of this superiority and this self-righteousness that you see in the people in the soapboxes. Uh, a man across my hallway where I've lived for 19 years, my neighbor is a Hindu. And I look at him, and as far as I can tell, he's, he, he probably is a more moral man than me. He's, he may be a better man than me, even thought of broadly. He's, he's certainly a better father than me. And you say, well, how can you say, don't you believe you're saved? You're a Christian, he's a Hindu. The answer is I'm not saved by being a good father or by being a good man. I'm saved by the mercy of what Jesus Christ, of what he's done. And therefore, I can't feel superior to him. There's a tendency, because my heart is sinful and self-centered is a tendency to use my Christianity to feel like why don't you people have the truth but the gospel takes me out of it but people I think people like the people you're talking about don't understand that gospel the self-righteousness the Phariseeism is something that the gospel should expunge and so if you're out here thinking about Christianity and you're thinking about people like that keep in mind that Christianity has uh, that's not Christianity and it also has self-corrective resources within it. That's why you have the Old Testament prophets railing against religion. You have Jesus railing against the Pharisees to say you don't understand grace. So I hope that helps a bit. Yes. Okay? Over here. This is one of my, my favorite um, uh, teachers of the word, Timothy Keller, and uh, he recently passed on uh, a, week, a week or two ago. And, and guys, he is just go and listen, YouTube, listen to Timothy Keller. I know you love, but sometimes listen to, to Timothy Keller, you know? Uh, listen to John Piper. Sometimes listen to, listen to, 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 to the guys who are, who are not excited. Because sometimes the, the, the ones who are excited, they don't teach the fundamentals. And this old man, they are boring. Yeah, when you are listening to them, they are boring, they need concentration, but they will enrich your spiritual life. So, so this guy, uh, Timothy Keller, he's, uh, he's an amazing guy, and, and, and when I was just contemplating the gospel, I just found this to be, to be truly,
to be truly an amazing thing to say, you know what? I, I am not saved because I'm a better person. I'm saved only by the grace of God. And it is that grace of God, now that I am saved, I want to be a better person. It is not a license to continue being a broken person. It is an invitation to be saved. And out of that, in response, I want to be a better, a better person. And we are continuing on our series, The Stewards of Grace. This is part two. When Paul writes this letter, we're talking about the Galatian, the book, the letter to the churches in Galatia. We spoke about it last week. It's a church that Paul planted on his missions to, to the region. Uh, Galatia is what we call modern-day Turkey. The letter was written by Paul to the Galatian church. The Galatian church was predominantly Gentile. Gentiles are a people that were not of Jewish origin. Any other nation that was not Jewish is people that were known as Gentile, and this church was predominantly that. And in Acts 13, 14, 15, Paul establishes this church. So this church is established through the gospel. And at this time, guys, the Jewish people come and say to them, after these men are saved, they come and say to them, after these men and women are saved, the Jewish leaders come to them and say to them, for you to be saved, you need to also keep the law of Moses by eating certain foods and being circumcised. And Paul is angry. Anger, the Paul's anger comes from the fact that these people are struggling to believe that they are saved. They are still coming to terms with the fact that they are saved and, and, and that they can be saved by being in Christ and Christ alone. Now you are coming and placing a burden on their neck. Now you are saying to them, no, you don't have to only believe in Christ and Christ alone. Now you also need to keep these rules to be saved. And Paul is very, very angry in this letter to the, to the, Galatian, to the Galatian church. When Paul writes this letter proclaiming heaven's freedom, that where the people, uh, that the people were perverting, uh, uh, that they were rescued from sin and death, by grace of by the grace of God alone, the Judaizers, as they were called, uh, added religion to the works of the gospel, which Paul, a non-Jew, a believer under the thumb of religion, religious bondage, uh, uh, was against. Thanks to Paul, we are reminded that Christ plus something is not the gospel. Christ plus nothing at all is the way to go. It's not Christ plus this that makes it the gospel. It's Christ and Christ alone. Paul begins at the top and says, uh, Galatians 1, 1 and 2, he says, Paul, an apostle, uh, not from men nor through men, but through Christ Jesus, God and the God uh, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the church in Galatia, he is greeting them. It is interesting that Paul says, Paul, an apostle. Why does he mention that he is Paul, an apostle? It is to establish authority. It is to establish who is he by, for saying that. Who is writing this letter? Because, guys, 
it's not the words that matter it is who has commissioned the words i said this before if tomorrow you were to get a message so where you come in here and say someone says they say there's no church today the first question you ask is who said it because you understand that there is authority in the church structures and there are only a handful of people who can actually make that decision if i stand here and say guys there's no church next week would you believe me if my sister here stands here and say guys there's no church next week would you believe her you are sexist no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding you 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 will not believe her because but if she stands here and say guys muruti says there is no church next week by attaching me she is now speaking as me so when paul says i am an apostle apostle means a personal agent a representative so he was establishing his authority you are saying i am writing this letter as a representative of christ so it is as if christ is writing this letter himself so when we read the letter of the apostle we are reading the words that come from christ and to the effect that paul in fact mentions when he's by when he's no longer speaking on behalf of christ he actually makes the disclaimer and say here yeah, i am speaking on my behalf indicating that all this time i was not speaking on my behalf i was speaking as an apostle an apostle of jesus christ i am a representative of of christ is it clear our response towards paul's letter is an indication of our response towards jesus christ that's why in matthew 10:14 jesus christ says he who receives you receives me he who receives me will receive the one i have sent and if it is true that the apostle is a personal agent of christ and if it is true that the agent is a personal representative and the message itself is a representative of christ this then implies that when we follow a, a paul's message we are following christ's message so what Paul is saying is what Christ is saying. It's always interesting when people want to play Paul against Jesus Christ. But Paul makes it clear that I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Meaning, I am under the authority. Paul is like an ambassador. Even though the ambassador is in China, they are still representing south africa they come with the whole authority of the country in that space that's what apostleship is about it's about representing a kingdom you come you come from and if indeed paul's letter is a representative of the message from god or a message from god that means it is an authoritative letter and when we read it our opinion is not needed we need to read it and accept it and obey it regardless of how it makes us feel when we read the letter that i put i i wrote a quote here i says if we find ourselves in a position where our opinion is in contradiction or in tension with scripture 
our opinion and position is wrong. If you find yourself where you are wrestling with scripture and your opinion is strong and you're like, you know, you are wrong. You are the one who is wrong. There's never an instance where you, you might be right and the scripture is wrong. It, it, it doesn't exist. Where you find yourself, you're like, but, but you know, this, this scripture, I, I really think, you know, when we think about it logically, you can think about it logically, spiritually, financially, whatever. If it is in contradiction to the scripture, you are the one who is wrong. There is never an instance, see how you can speak all the English you want and nice and whatever. There is never an instance where the Bible is going to be wrong and you are right. It's not going to happen. Our practices, our theology, our lifestyle must, ref must not reflect what we feel strongly about, but it must respect, reflect what the scripture speaks strongly about. Our lifestyle should not reflect what we feel strongly about. You know, I really feel strongly about that. No, it doesn't matter. What does the scripture say about that thing? But you don't know, Muruti, how, how I feel. No, I, I don't have to know. I know what the scripture says. But, but when, I, when I, you don't understand, you don't understand how it feels. I sympathize and I empathize. It does not change the scripture. You, you, you are married and, 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 and when, I, when I, you don't understand how, how it feels now in winter. I know what the scripture says. I know what the scripture says. Guys, you, you must understand. You must understand that the sovereignty and authority of scripture is, is not to be debated. Even when we are contextualizing scripture to our daily practices, we, we don't change the essence of what it says to make us comfortable. We grow up to the level of scripture we don't bring it down to the level of our struggle we don't bring scripture down to the level of our struggle god will understand he won't if we are in disobedience to his word and he will understand tandy he does not Oh, let me, let me, let me, let me. So Paul highlights here that he is not representing a system, a church, a council, or a movement, or a personal agenda, but he's representing Christ. He's not trying to push his own agenda. The implication being, he treats sinners the way the one he's representing would treat sinners. Christ treats sinners, not Christ, Paul, treats sinners not according to his preference, but according to the one who he's representing. So, if Christ ate with Zacchaeus, what would then Paul do? 
he will eat with Zacchaeus. And if we are representing Christ here on earth, that means what Christ did with Zacchaeus, then we must also do here. If we are saying he could say, he could have a conversation with a woman who had been divorced five times and actually asked for water from her, if that's how he treated the woman at the well, that means that's how Paul treats the woman at the well. And as an extension, that's how we treat the women at the, at the well. We have women at the well in our city. We have women in the well in our country, in our communities, in our families. The people that have been divorced, that are broken to the core, we speak to them the same way Jesus spoke to them. We prayed, the prayer this morning was, I want to align with God. So this is what you do. You read, how did Jesus treat this woman who seemed hell-bent on just making the same mistake over and over and over and over again? Because when I was born, you say, you know what? You are hopeless. We have advised you, show me. It looks like you are, not, you are not willing to change. I'm done with you. Right? Christ comes to this woman who is divorced five times, and now she's cohabitating. She is committed to, to, to sin. She is committed to messing up her life. Christ comes to her and says, hey, man, can I, can I, can I have a chat with you? Is that, how we treat, is that how we treat people? Christ comes to this woman who was caught in adultery. And I'm sure when they caught her in adultery, they didn't say to her, please dress up quickly. They, they probably just took a sheet and they, they, they just dragged her. Because also they want to shame her. Christ embraces her and says, I do not condemn you. Here's a question for you then. The way you treat sinners, does it represent Christ? Uh, we should not be equally yoked. Having food with someone is not being equally yoked. Having conversation with someone is not being equally yoked. Sitting and, and, and connecting with someone who's a sinner is not being equally yoked. Being patient, being loving, being kind towards them is not being equally yoked. Because then if we went to then take the scripture in that literal sense, then Jesus should not have said with that woman. He should not have been to Zacchaeus' house. He should not have been to that well. He should not. He should not have done it. But can I tell you why we don't do it, Osbongi? We are trying not to contaminate our self-righteousness. Because we do not want to, seen, to be seen with those people. Because they are those people. You have forgotten, when I know, when I, uh, Matilda, that you were those people. Now today, because Christ has washed you clean, you think it was yourself who washed you clean. You don't remember that it was your sinfulness that made him come and save you. You were broken, but he came close to you. He came close to you. That while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us. That he gave his only son to come and die for us. That we may be called the righteousness of God. You have so much soon forgotten. If we claim indeed to be the representative of Christ, are we treating sinners the way he treated them? The way he treated us. 
Hey, sometimes when you are in, you forgot that you were once out. Now you're acting as if you were not out once. They're like, hey, when you get inside there, you must, you must do one, two, three, four, five. And Jesus is like, what did you do? And Paul is simply saying, as a representative, we do. Christ washed the feet of the man whom he knew was about to betray him while you are cutting people off. While you are cutting people off because they do not align with your energies. That the thing is, you, you have the Holy Spirit and you have energies. There is the mixed masala inside of you. People are not aligning with your energies. The Holy Spirit has saved them and is busy washing them. You must be aligning with the Holy Spirit in them. But because you have some chakra things happening inside of you, you want to cut people off. No, I'm cutting them off. They, they are not aligning with my, with my energy. What energy? Were you aligning with the energy of Jesus when he came to save you from your mess? Some of you are in a church here where you are not aligning with our energy as well. Oh, you think you are here because you are aligned with my energy. I'm joking, I'm joking. Guys, let me tell you. It, 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 I love you all. I don't always like you. And I'm going to serve you as long as God has called me to. We don't, we don't serve people because we like them. Because we are representing Christ. And he loves these people. And if we claim to be his servant, we will also love these people. We will treat them the way he treated them. That's why we're saying we are stewards of grace. After people have interacted with you, can they say, if that is how Christ is like, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of, of them. Are we, are we representing him? Well, listen to what Paul says. Paul says, grace to you and peace. From God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, why was this important? This was important because grace and peace was a common greeting among the Jew of the time. And therefore, it is possible that the Gentiles believed that the authority to bestow grace and peace lied in the Jews. So they're like, only the Jews, because when they greet each other, they say grace and peace. So it means they, have, they are the ones who have the authority to speak grace and to speak peace. So now if you believe that this person is the one who has the power and the authority to speak grace and peace, whatever they say to you, you will do. So Paul is correcting that here. And so these people are correct, they are corrupting you. Don't listen to them. The peace and the grace does not come from them. It comes from God. The authority does not come from them. The blessing does not come from them. The favor does not come from them. It comes from God. Don't listen to them. 
Paul, after he mentions that he has authority, he then tells them that in here he's saying, this authority is not mine, it's delegated. Paul is saying, I have authority, but this authority is not mine. I am not the source of this authority. I am the channel of this authority. It comes from God. Because guys, let me tell you, the day you believe that a man is the source of your blessing, you are in trouble. Regardless of how anointed he is. Regardless of how anointed I am, Matilda, I will never be the source of your blessings. Hey, regardless of I can pray for you, you'll fall on the ground and whatever, I am only a channel, not the source. And as a result, when you offend me because you will, I cannot, I don't have the authority to stop the blessing from coming to you. I can't. I can, I can stand here and say, I am taking my anointing. You must say to me, take the anointing. Live with it. How? God has many channels to bless me. He's not dependent on you. Let me tell you, God uses men as a channel to speak, not to formulate. As preachers, as pastors, we are not the source of the blessing. We are the communicators of the blessing. We are, we, we, we. God is rirumilwe. I don't understand if you understand what, what, what that means. We were sent. We were given a gift to come and give to you. We must not come to you and act as if the gift comes from us. This gift had an address and the address was you. And if we hold on to it, God will find someone else and take it away from our hands so that it is delivered to you. There is no man of God who is going to stop your blessing from coming to you because the blessing does not come from a man of God. We are channels. We are not the source. And if I as a channel am too offended to communicate the blessing to you, God will find another channel. Because you are going to offend me. See, Fulu is leaving. Fulu is getting married. She's leaving. My heart is sore. Because we love Fulu. We really love Fulu. Like it's sad that she's leaving. Hey, your blessings are not, are not connected here. You, you are going to flourish where you're going. You are going to flourish where you are going. And, and we thank God. It is not nice, but we thank God for what he's doing. We're not going to threaten you now and say to you, if you live here, now you, what, what, your marriage won't work and what, what. If we do that, you must know that we, are, we have stopped partnering with God and now we are partnering with the father of lies. Any man who curses another has stopped working for God and has partnered with the, with the enemy. You can't call yourself a man or a woman of God and still curse people. No. That's why Paul makes it clear that the blessing comes from God. His grace and peace. It comes from God. 
He said, when you want the grace and the peace, don't look at me. Look at God. He is the, he's the one. You see, guys, we make it difficult for non-believers to come to Christ because we introduce them to very strong, strange concepts. While people are trying to come to terms with the grace of God, now we have introduced them to the grace of the man of God. You need to recognize the grace of the man of God. And now I'm a, I'm a new Christian. I'm like, okay. So, is there your grace? And then the grace of God? Is it the same thing? Is it two things? Do I, what, how does yours work? How does the grace of, that grace of God, it says it's free. But yours to tap into it, I need to give you a gift. Which, which one? We introduce people to strange concepts. Guys, don't tap into my grace. The, I, I don't have a grace. It is the grace of God at work in me. Tap into that grace. God, is God doing amazing things through me? Absolutely. You're, you're not, he's not going to also do it because you gave me money in your life. It's a lie. You're not going to come to me, Busi, and then you give me a gift. And then, and then God also, my grace is on you. Is the grace of God not sufficient? That you need my grace. Hey, let me tell you, I'm also, sit, I'm also at the feet of the cross. Receiving grace. And what I'm doing here is to say, hey guys, come. There's grace here. That's what I'm here to do. It's not to, it's not to receive grace here and say, come, there's grace here. Huh? I'm receiving grace and I'm saying, there's grace here. Stand here, stand here. There's grace here. From God. Because now after you've received my grace and tomorrow I fall into sin, what happens? says grace and peace comes from God. We are only on three. No. Listen to what he says for. He says, who gave himself for our sins that we may be delivered from this present? He, who gave himself for our sins that we may be delivered from this present evil according to his will, according to the will of our God and Father. Imagine if you are a sinner like a Gentile and suddenly you are told. Imagine you are a sinner like we spoke about how the Gentiles are. They are, they are confused. They love lustful things. They are broken. They love impurity. They love all this mess. And suddenly Paul comes and says to them, if you repent of your sin and declare Jesus Christ, as your Lord and your Savior and put your faith in him. All of your sins are forgiven. Not only that, sin itself has lost its power and you have been freed from the punishment of sin. And you're like, so is that all I need to do? Repent 
and put my faith in Christ. And Paul says, yes. And then some idiot comes and says, eh, eh, stop it, Lori. Wait. Before we move, you also, sounds like a scam. Do, do you realize sounds like QZ or Q whatever? MMM. Because I get they say, you must, you must do this. And after you have paid the 100, they say, no, that one is for activation. Now you need to pay this. Johnny, but that's not what you said in the beginning. Now, Paul said, we just have to declare Jesus Christ and repent of our sins. Now you're saying we must also keep the law of Moses and be circumcised and eat certain foods. Ah, man. Uh, then, then, uh, then it's fine. Yeah, you know what? It's fine. Let me go back to, 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 to my life. Right? Because I'm like, I thought, now, you know, have you ever signed a contract? And they give you, they say, this, these are the terms and conditions. And when you need to claim, and they say, no, there was this TNC, fine print. They were adding the fine print. They were adding the fine print. And Paul, that's why Paul was saying, he says, hey man, you have been forgiven of your sins by Jesus Christ. Not these men. And he has actually saved you from the present evil. What is present evil? It is anything and anyone who perverts the gospel. It's evil to pervert the gospel. To a point where Paul curses them. Paul says, if you or me, or even the angels, teaches you any other gospel, they must be cursed. I'm like, you? Paul is evoking a curse against anyone who preaches any other gospel. And he says, not even, not, not that it is a gospel at all. So he's saying it's not even a gospel, but just for argument's sake. He's, he doesn't say, they must be cursed. He says, even myself. Even them. And he even, even takes it to a notch up. And he says, even the angels, they must be cursed. If they preach any other gospel than this gospel, that you are saved in Christ by Christ alone. That in him... Sin has lost its power and its punishment. You are completely free and you have been accepted by God by believing in Jesus Christ. Just if anyone preaches anything else from Zalwan, don't attract curses upon your life by putting a yoke of law on the necks of people. Don't attract the curse upon your life. Let God's people go. Let God's people go. We have partnered with an oppressor by wanting people to jump hoops before they come to God. Here's a statement before I leave you. We do not have to stop sinning. <laughs> yeah. We do not have to stop sinning before we are forgiven by Christ. But. Because we are forgiven. 
We want to stop sinning by the help of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to stop sinning to be forgiven. He has already forgiven us. He has already forgiven us. When we come to him, because he has forgiven us, we want to stop sinning. And we say, Holy Spirit, help me to stop sinning. Help me to stop living this life. I want to stop. It's not a barrier. God is not putting a barrier and say, okay, stop sinning. And they're looking at you, fighting, 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 fighting. And then finally, when you have stopped sinning, and they say, well done, come in. Because the Bible says we could not keep the law. If, if it was on the basis of our ability to keep the law, none of us would get saved. None of us would get saved. It was only, that's why he had to come and embody the law and be the perfect sacrifice so that we may be saved and now that we are saved our response to this salvation is that holy spirit i don't want to live this life anymore help me help me help me I don't want to live this life anymore. Help me. Can I tell you why some of you, even when you are saved, you are struggling to live a holy life because you are trying to do it in your own strength. And the Holy Spirit is available where you come to him. I'm struggling to stop this thing. Holy Spirit, help me. I've tried to discipline myself. I cannot. Don't discipline yourself. Delight in the Holy Spirit and allow Him to wash you. Allow Him to clean you. Allow Him to cleanse you. But we have put barriers. We have put barriers. We have put barriers. But this one says, the scripture says, but this, the scripture makes it clear that the world, the whole world, is imprisoned by sin. This was so the promise would be given through faith to people who believe in Jesus Christ. Listen, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have been given the promise. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you have been given the promise. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you have been given the promise. That's why the Father stands there and says, You smell like pigs, but I'm welcoming you in. You smell like a swamp, but I'm welcoming you in. You look dirty, but I'm welcoming you. That's the picture of salvation. That while you are looking like a mess, the Father's arms are open and he embraces you. But we are the older brother. Let us not be a deterrent from people receiving Jesus Christ because we want them to keep the rules we are keeping. For you to be saved, you need to look like me. You, are you forgetting how you were when Christ found you? 
And at the time you say, I must look like you. You are only talking about the you that you pretend to be at church. Can I, can I be like you, the one at home when no one is watching? Can I be like you in, the, in your DMs? Let, 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 me, not, let me not be like, like the you at church. I want to be, if I'm, I'm like the you in your DMs, how, how, does, that, how, do, how does that look? I agree, I agree we put ourselves as a standard. Say, so, you know, you must, can I tell you? We, we, we make examples and say, Can I tell you? You must all be like him. And, 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 and Morato is like, Yay! Hey! Stop me, Lori! Neda! If all the men in the church are like this one, the wives are getting beaten. The wives are getting sewn in. They're getting emotionally abused. I'm, I, it's, it's not like, it's not him. Ne? That's an example. So guys, I, I don't even want you to be like me because I'm like, God, the day I fall into sin, they will fall. I'm saying, I labor so that Christ be formed in you. I want you to be more like Christ. Not more like me. Him. Because I am striving to be more like Him. I'm striving to be more like Him. I, look at the time. Oh, nana. Yo, yo. The world is full of sin, but by believing in Jesus Christ, we are free from its power and its punishment. We are free. As I close for the last time, Paul then writes, this is where we are supposed to be today. 6 to 10. He says, I marvel that you have turned away so soon from him who has called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to than, than what we have preached to you let him be accused as we have said before so now i say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received let him be accused for i am now persuaded for i for do i now persuade men or god or do i seek to please men for if i still please men i would not be a bond servant of christ let me tell you, Bazalwana, if what I'm saying here offends someone out there, I don't care. If there's someone who is offended by the fact that I'm saying blessings do not come from men of God, I do not care. 
if someone is offended that I'm saying people don't have to they don't have to clean themselves before they come to Christ, I don't care. Because I am a born servant of Jesus Christ. He's the one I'm trying to please. My, 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 my meditation is constantly, God, am I sharing your word correctly? Not is the Noah going to like it. And I'm not saying I'm right in what I'm preaching. I'm saying, God, if I am wrong, deal with me. I want to just please you. Yes, Pule, I see you. Pule is like, hey, Wena, I don't care. Get off stage. Therefore, X13, 13, X13, 13, 38. See, I'm taking my laptop. X13, X13, 38 to 39. What gospel was Paul teaching? This is the gospel he introduced to the church in Galatia. This is the gospel he introduced to them. And he's saying, if anyone is not preaching this gospel, let him be accused. What is the gospel? He says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. It says, through this man, everyone is justified from all things. You could not be justified through the law of Moses. And last next week, we're going to be talking about what it means to be justified. What does it mean to be justified? Are you preaching that everyone is justified? Are you preaching that everyone who believes in Christ, their sins are forgiven? Or are you saying you need to stop doing this for you to be justified? Zalwan, if you are preaching anything else, than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that this message has been a blessing to you. Why not be a blessing to someone else by sharing this message with them? Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Goodbye and God bless.